The following is a presentation of the Wide Open Mic Podcast Network. For information on this and other podcasts, please go to www.wideopenmic.net. Two players, two sides. Do you have any idea how badly I want to kill you? One is light. Heat, damn it, run! One is dark. We're the good guys, Michael. Son of a bitch. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! Dude? You all, everybody? Let's go, friends. You all, everybody? You all, everybody? Acting like it's stupid people when it's fancy clothes. I love you, Benny. But if we can't live together, guys, as friends, I've always loved you. We're gonna die alone. Don't you leave me. I'm so sorry, guys. We have to go back, Kate. I love you. We have to go back. Hey guys, welcome back to the second episode of We Have to Go Back, a Lost Rewatch podcast. I'm Gunner. Back with us is Mr. Daz. What's up, everybody? Mr. Future. What's happening, everybody? Mr. Keith. And I'm here with my crickets. And your crickets. They say hello. <laughs> yes. So I am like super excited about this. We're finally going to dig into the episodes. Um, we are actually a week off from where we recorded the first and we were going to record them both at the same day and use the illusion of time. Um, just release it later, but we actually did wait a week. Um, so I know I've been for about a week, been anxious to be talking about this, but man, I'm excited about this. Um, hopefully you guys are too. So today we are going to cover the pilot, both episodes one and two. So we're going to, we're just going to dive deep into those. Again, we're doing it spoiler free outside of these episodes, obviously. So we're going to talk about these episodes. We're going to spoil the fart out of these episodes, but for those that never watched Lost and are watching it with us, um, we are not going to spoil the future. Hopefully we are going to do our best to attempt to not spoil the future. We will not spoil the future and spoil. Future will not spoil the podcast. Those are my only two promises for you. So, uh, so let's just dive in. So, honestly, if you're watching this, you're like, oh, I only watched the first two episodes. Podcasts are timeless. People don't realize it. Once you get caught up to where we are in this, pause it. Go watch your episode. Come back when you're ready. That's the coolest thing about podcasts. The coolest thing is you have to come back, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have to come back. Yeah. We have to come back. So, all right. Well, let's start off with... Episode one, the pilot. I got a little bit of fun facts and some stats on it. So um, episode one. Now, this is weird because in my memory, they showed episode one and episode two right after each other. Do you guys, any of you guys watch this live when it aired? Um, I didn't watch it live when it aired, but I have a vague memory of them running back to back as well. So as we will learn for episode two, spoiler alert, they didn't. So episode one aired on September 22nd, 2004. Um, it was directed by J.J. Abrams. And we last that last week, we discussed the whole J.J. and Damon taking over for uh, Jeffrey Lieber um, and doing the show. We don't have to revisit that. We talked about that last week. But um, I mean, this was pretty big. J- I mean, J.J. Abrams... This was really before he busted out into the mainstream with his 
uh, with uh, movies and starting with Mission Impossible. But were you guys from? He also wrote the teleplay. He did him and uh, wrote with, with Damon. Yeah, him and Damon wrote the teleplay, and it was also build story by Jeffrey Lieber, JJ, and Damon. Um, so I want to throw out another name. The executive producers were JJ. Damon Lindelof and Brian Burke. If you don't know who Brian Burke is, he's JJ's longtime producer. And uh, he's the guy that started Bad Robot with JJ. So um, Brian Burke's all over the place. If you listen to the commentaries, which I did, which I got some audio for, Brian is actually on uh, on the commentary for the pilot. So I just wanted to throw his name out there. Um, but do you, were you guys familiar with JJ when Lost came out at all? In name only, not from now, like, yeah. I knew of him from uh, a screenwriting class I took in college. My screenwriting professor worked on the show Serenity. Oh, nice. And mentioned J.J. Abrams, but I didn't really know who he was. And then the show comes up, and I didn't know anything about really, you know. <laughs> I, I had no reason didn't to have the expectations that you do now from a J.J. Abrams. Yeah, book. exactly. Yeah. Now, now, if anything is associated with the name, you expect it. Like, you know, it's going to be, oh, it's I mean, his last two like movies did make a billion dollars. <laughs> well, and for right. me, I'm on, I'm on the backwards uh, trajectory of you guys. I've heard of Lost. I knew it was happening, but at that time, did not know anything about J.J. Abrams until he became a, a big-time movie director. So, no, I guess to answer your question, I knew about Lost before I knew about J.J. Abrams. All right, so as far as the build cast, the principal cast, which we talked about last week, it's the the opening credit. We're not going to go through that list again. But there were a couple other actors that were building this um, as, quote-unquote, guest stars. There were two, Frederick Lane, who played, ironically, Marshall Lane, and then L. Scott Caldwell, who played Rose. Um, So they were the two that were billed as guest starring. The credits had a, uh, a couple extra people. Um, the only one, there's one ca- uh, cast member who shows up again, who ironically is not billed by their name. So we'll, I'll wait till they um, come back, but they're just billed as flight attendant one. So who was the boiler? Uh, and then that's the next person I want to mention. Ah. Greg Grumberg played the pilot, Seth Norris. Um, I am one of the biggest Greg Grumberg fans out there. I've watched almost everything he's ever done. Loved every, he was in alien. He's JJ Abrams, best friend, like his oldest friend from kindergarten. And so JJ always talks, talks about the commentary. I've heard him do it on the star Wars. I've heard him say it a thousand times, but uh, Greg, he considers Greg his good luck charm. So Greg Grumberg is almost in everything he ever did. Um, he wasn't available when they were shooting Star Trek, his first one, but he got him to do ADR. So if you listen close closely, there's one scene where you can hear Greg Grumberg's voice. But uh, I remember him from uh, Heroes, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, yep, I was like, ah, oh, because I saw Heroes before I saw Lost, so I had a weird frame of reference. And as soon as I saw him as the pilot, knowing him from Heroes, I thought he was going to be this, you know, big part of the show. And he was going to be like this big main character. And then he just disappears. And you're like, oh, all right, then. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I watched Heroes because Greg Grumberg was in it. And he was one of the reasons why I lost. I watched Felicity because I loved Alias. And Greg Grumberg had, was uh, on Alias. And then he 
he came from Felicity. He was originally in that. He was one of the main stars of Felicity. So, yeah, I was when I saw Greg Grumberg, I was super excited. So, can you promise not to try and sell Felicity every episode of the Lost Podcast? So no, far, because <laughs> somehow one day we will be going back and watching Felicity. <laughs> All right, so here's just some. Um, <laughs> just some trivial stuff. So the pilot actually covers the first two days on the island. Um, and it includes the flashbacks from right before the crash. So that would technically be earlier the day that they land on the island. So um, this episode was Jack centric, if you will. Um, but they, they're really, this was before the whole flashback thing, which we will see later on. Um, so uh, here's some uh, interesting details. One of the, the few trivial facts that I actually knew coming into this, but do you guys know that uh, Jack was originally not played by Matthew Fox? Are you guys familiar with this story at all? No. No. So originally, Jack was cast as Michael Keaton. So Ma- what? Michael oh Keaton wow. was originally Jack. Why didn't that work out? Because... At, at the scene where they went back to the plane, Jack was going to die. Okay, right, right. So, they so, were, they so Michael Keaton was going to come in and he was going to take over the show and be leading everything. And then halfway through the pilot, the first episode, bam, he was going to get killed by the monster. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a surprise. Like, oh, sh- Actually, I wouldn't have minded that. So, um, so here's some more stuff on that. So yeah, uh, Jack was originally cast as Michael Keaton, who was supposed to be killed by the monster midway through the first episode. And he was the de facto leader. And what originally was going to happen was after he died, uh, it would transition from Jack being the leader to Kate being the leader. The studio and their advisors were kind of afraid and they feared that the audience would kind of turn on the show if we built up this great leader and then killed him off. So actually the whole pilot Seth Norris, Greg Grumberg scene was written into the episode because they needed to kill someone and they weren't going to kill Jack. So, uh, so I, 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 I have a question just out of curiosity, Gunnar. I mean, when you first saw, because you first saw these episodes on TV, yes, right? Yes. As they air. So I'm curious because my experience was not that. I, I watched them on DVD and I pretty much binge watched them from the set, from the first episode I started. So I'm curious what it was like for you to just see these episodes in isolation on, you know, on TV airing in real time for the first time. Did you get hooked immediately and were you so like, the, oh, I, I got to see what happens? Yeah, there. my first thought was this is the greatest hour of television I've ever seen. I mean, because TV shows were not what they are today. I mean, today you get big name stars on them. TVs are gigantic big deals. This show kind of changed the way that TV shows were made. And they thought, you know what? We're going to just shoot a movie and pass it off as a TV show. So yeah, when I first saw it, I'm like, this is like nothing I've ever seen before. So yeah, I was hooked pretty early on it. What about you guys? Do you, do you guys feel that the, the the first two episodes grabs you, hooks you in? Uh, I feel I feel like they do really. Yeah, definite big hooks. The the anticipation's high, the drama's high. You're just 
you know, you have no idea what's going on, but you know it's really not good. There's lots of chaos. There's lots of explosions. Um, quite frankly, I don't really remember how we watched television week to week to week anymore. It seems infuriating. Yes. Barbaric. Yeah. No, I had it, a TiVo I, back it, then. It, I had a TiVo. So I was, at this point, I was kind of not watching live TV anymore. I feel um, like there's a, a donkey spinning away, you know, tied to a gear <laughs> wheel, providing electricity for your weekly television right. viewing. So, like, I'm going to go on a tangent real quick. The only time I watch uh, commercials and live TV is sports right now, right? Because Absolutely. you can do nothing else. So, for sports, I'll do that. I, I, I tried to watch uh, some ad-supported stuff. So, I, like, did the Hulu ad-supported stuff. The Peacock has ad supported stuff. Oh, it's infuriating. Oh, but yeah. When, I when pay the sitting, two bucks a month for no commercials. Yeah, it's the best them, two dollars I spend. When you're sitting there watching them, I'm like, God, this is like so like there's so much more time things I can do with my time. And I'm like, what did people do ten years ago? It's like crazy. Well, it just it ruins the story. It breaks up all the drama. It it just it's so distracting from the actual like thing that you're trying to view it's horrible well, and you channel surf you go see what's else on yeah, and yeah. So, so that's though even the worst part so they're trying to get you to watch these commercials and all anyone did was just be like i'm not fucking doing this and immediately change the channel yeah. so all they did was ruin the show now to be honest uh one thing about uh old school watching or at least non-binging before binging is you know, when, when you're watching an episode at a time, you have a completely different um, experience than when you binge it. Because my sister never watched Lost. Um, and right before the final season, I let her borrow all my DVDs and she binge watched it. Um, and then right as the season was going to start, I was talking about like, because as you watch it, you build up theories in your mind. And, oh, I wonder what this is. I wonder. And I remember talking to her. I'm like, so what do you think this is? And she's like, Oh, I don't even, I don't even know what that is. And what that was specifically was something that happened that we had theories about. And we kept having theories about for five years. Like this means this. I don't want to spoil anything, but this means that. But when you binge watch it, it's just, it's just a moment that goes past. You don't spend the next Week well, thinking about you're not thinking about what it. is the hurly bird? I'm just gonna say it was the hurly bird. You guys will probably, if, when you watch it, have no idea what the hurly bird is. But when we watched it live, it. there was no bigger question than what the heck was the hurly bird. I, so, I mean, that's like that makes this old school watching and the whole nowadays with the binging such a completely different experience, especially when podcasts came because the. The Damon and uh, the uh, Damon Lindelof Lost podcast, which uh, that started after the first episode of season two, we are definitely gonna play clips from that, and we're definitely gonna go through that because I loved how they would they would take questions from the audience, and their answers are so awesome. They actually did that. There was a clip I want to play for episode well, wait, two. Wait, what, what the fuck is the Whirly Bird? The Hurly Bird. You'll see. Well, yeah. You'll see. It'll, I, you know what? When it happens, I will give it away for people who are listening. Right? No, because they they don't they uh, they don't really explain it until 
Okay, that's way later. Okay, that's- and, until they don't explain it till after the show. I don't even remember this being a thing. Exactly, but I was obsessed listening to Lost <laughs> podcasts that debated for hours over wrote, what the Hurley Bird is. Something so insignificant I, that it was never mentioned again. But as us going week by week, we nitpicked every second of the episode. You, you're not adding to that episode. argument. You're making it sound worse. You guys went <laughs> and insane over something completely trivial. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so when that happened, well, that probably happened a lot. I, I mean, I went crazy over the well. We saw the polar bear, right? Yes. Yeah. Polar bear comes out in episode two, so we can uh, the second. Well, well of- let's wait. Well, let's wait to talk about that later. Let's wait. Talk. Wait, let's wait till we get to episode two to talk about that. Okay, so Just we're doing in case episode. someone is watching, and yeah, which I'm sure no one is, but yeah. but we'll we'll say that. But yeah, but no. And I actually, when things like the Hurley bird, I actually have notes on them to point out. The, these were All right, big we got to do this right now. You got to show me what this fucking Hurley bird is. Now now I actually am obsessed. Okay. Now I need to okay. know. Spoiler alert if you're going to be upset. <laughs> there is a scene at one part where a bird flies over Hurley's head and says, "Hurley." That's it. They never explain it. <laughs> that, I I never I do not exactly. remember Exactly no one does, but not. when you were going week by week by week, you obsessed over what the, and you waiting? When are they going to announce it? But I, I I already have a theory based on what I what I know of the show, but I won't I won't share the theory because that would spoil. So me. I'm going to tell you but, one thing that they did do, which we are definitely going to talk about when the se- series is over. But um, on the last season DVD, there was a special feature called New Man in Charge, and it was just a short film uh, that essentially answered questions so a guy walks up to two guys in it and they're like you i'll i'll take two of your questions so these guys are essentially playing the audience and they ask questions that the audience had and this guy kind of answers them so it was a special feature short film where they kind of explained some of the 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 unfinished plot holes. So we'll talk once that we we're done with the finale. That's the last thing we're going to watch. And I'm not even going to talk about it till the end. I don't want you guys to sneak and peek, but um, yeah, I know. I know I'm tempted to see it, but I, I'll say, yeah, it. save it for the end because it's cool. I, I think it's one of my favorite things about loss. It's just cool. So, uh, well, so let, let's get back to Jack really fast and uh, Michael Keaton. So I know um, a lot of well, I'm I still actually, googling Hurley Bird. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Lost Encyclopedia. I gotta find it. I know I put it aside when I moved, and I, I can't find it. I wonder. I gotta read the Hurley Bird in the encyclopedia. See if it's even in there. But anyway, so back to Jack. Now, I always thought, to be honest, that um, Michael Keaton was like dropped out way towards the end, but apparently he never actually made it to anything. So uh, when they, when Jack's part got expanded, Keaton just kind of withdrew his name and, and didn't want to do it. And not that, you know, it's not that he didn't want to do it, but he's a movie star back then. Movie stars didn't do TV. So they, um, so they replaced Jack and they, they went back and they, they started casting again. Um, and they actually uh, auditioned tons of people, including John Hamm, who would have been an interesting what? Jack. I don't know uh, if I could see John. I love John Hamm. I don't know if I could see him as Jack, though. He's too perfect. Yeah. 
Um, and then Matthew Fox beat out a unknown British actor named James Cash. So he almost got the part at the end. They gave it to Matthew Fox. So, um, but let's talk about if you guys, if you guys will, let's talk about the set of this and, and primarily um, the Island, like the, or not the Island, but the plane wreckage, because the plane wreckage is a kind of a character unto itself. Keith, what did you think of seeing that wreckage for the first time? And I said that as soon as you started drinking a drink, no. I decided to ask you a question. But as soon as you said that, I realized my drink was empty. So we might have to pause. <laughs> no, uh, no. What I was, what I was thinking was it was, you know, you, you come into it and you're like, Oh, uh plane wreckage, you know, who's going to survive that? Like, is there any way that there's even anybody that could remotely be alive. I mean, that's the first thing that you come in your mind. Like, why are they showing me a plane crash of all these people dying? That's that's the first thing uh, I thought about. I was going to say, my first thought was, I mean, it's a good shot. I like that you said it was, it's almost its own character because it is. It has, like, almost a mind of its own. It's taking people out. It's choosing to fall at pivotal times. It's really interacting with, with these people. But my first thought is, why are these people not scattering? There's like engines spinning. Like that's just, you take one look and you're like, oh, I should get the hell away from that clearly. But they're, I don't know. Yeah, I think, it, you know, going to that point of it being a character. I mean, what Lost, I think, does throughout the series is set up little ticking time bombs. Yes. You know, metaphorically. So that's you're clear. sitting there, you're watching all these people go through all this kind of, you know, they're in shock, I guess. They're interacting with each other in a dramatic way, you know, fighting over things. Um, and then there's this, yeah, this, this, this picking time bomb, this plane that it looks like it's about to explode and it does explode. And it's just, it's just brilliant. I thought, I mean, what, what, how, what a better, what better way could you, you know, come up with to create so much tension in like so little time? I think, I think Especially you nailed the accident it. itself has already happened, right? Yeah. Like the disaster right, already right, right. occurred. Disasters occurred and they're all fine. And this is just like, well, just I, but I want to uh, real quick. Very, I, I wanted oh. to touch on the whole thing about everybody dying. Cause I'm the type of person when I watch a movie or TV show, I'm like, whatever that, that shit's not going to happen. That's bullshit. So like for me, I kind of fell into this bullshit moment. The first five minutes when there's all these people alive on the beach. So the, I didn't enjoy the first five minutes just because I was just like, Oh, whatever. Right. Oh, no. If for me, the, as soon as they start giving you a bunch of backstory or intimacy about some like relatively unimportant character, that's just pathos. You're like, oh, they're dead for sure. Like three minutes and they're dead. No doubt. Right. As soon as they start building them up. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I liked how like the plane almost looked like a puzzle. Did you see that? Like just to kind of where all the pieces were. I thought that was pretty cool. And I loved how, like, during that scene, it was going so fast, blinking, you miss it. But kind of going back after I've seen it a couple times, it's cool how they introduce all the characters. I mean, it's so blinking, you miss it. But really, when you go back and rewatch it, you're like, oh, my gosh, that is exactly Hurley right there. And that exactly is Boone. And Jack is just exactly like Jack. Like, they did such a good job of just teasing you for a split second so you're saying that they when they were, got to the island they were in their most like elemental forms uh, yeah i think so but i think that uh, Daz had a knocked it out of the park 
um, when he was responding to you saying that dude, they were in shock. You're in a plane crash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you think any of those guys were thinking straight? I mean, I think the, the, the best part about that that sums that up is um, Shannon. She's just sitting there screaming. Like, honestly, that's <laughs> probably what I would do. I would just be standing there screaming. God, right out of the gate, minute one, I hate her. I just hate her so much. <laughs> I'm like, oh, she's going to be a problem. She's going to be a problem this whole time. <laughs> At this point, do, do, does anyone, like, connect to a favorite? Or does anyone, you know, do, 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 you, do you gravitate towards one of the characters in particular? At this I mean, point? Yeah. let's be honest. I mean, Hurley is the audience. From the beginning of the show, I think, till the end of the show, Hurley is us. And I know later on, especially we get moments that we, that it just kind of smacks us in the face, but Hurley is us. So I, I really, besides maybe the fact that I'm a fat man, I I really relate with Hurley just because every time something's going on, Hurley's got a, got an answer for it. So I, I relate this to Hurley too. I was like, who would I hang out with? Or like, where, what so, group would I kind of gravitate to? I'd probably go hang out with Hurley and be like, okay, this guy looks just not stressful. <laughs> I mean, you know, like he I, looks. So like, I, I'm going to, this, I, you know, I'm going to be the contrarian always. I gravitated to Sawyer right out of the gate. He's Han Solo. Oh, he That's why he ball. is Han Solo. He, he, cause right. He's like, no, going full pragmatist. Like guys, we're fucked like with like let's play this for real here we're in survival mode you know he's like i found a gun definitely keeping the gun you know if i yeah that he was one of my favorites that yeah was, i love so but i don't think i liked him at first i think i hated him at first actually oh no i, I he was the one i definitely lot. identified with the most right out of the gate like <laughs> so if i had to identify I, with anybody it would be uh maybe i like the story of john Brock. Um, I kind of like appreciated his, uh, the fact that, you know, I don't want to go spoilers on the stuff, but I, I appreciated his story, but I was rooting for Jack just because, um, I know what it's like sometimes to be the handsome hero. hero. <laughs> I mean, it's just, sometimes it's just a hard life. I, I really related with, uh, Gary Troop. You guys know who that is? Who is that? So Gary Troop is the guy that got blown through the engine. Okay, yeah. Uh, which, which is, is funny. Which is, which is my favorite <laughs> scene of the entire episode one. So I do have a little <laughs> trivia on that. Because in the UK, when they uh, when they aired that episode, uh, they uh, both Gary Troop, the guy that got sucked through the plane, and Seth Norris, the pilot, they had to edit their deaths out of it. Because it was really? too gruesome for television. Until that they started running reruns after 10 p.m. So in the UK, Greg Grumberg and Gary... They, On Gary, a slide tangent, but about your censorship of death, that's another thing about what streaming has done is there's no longer any um, censorship of what's too violent. It's just like, what do you want to watch, right? So like, Well, it's, not, it's, it's violence and sexuality right. and language and just conceptuality. Right. So this, you know, this you, ended an era in that. Uh, for the better, yeah. I would definitely say. You know, they can make specific shows for specific people, and it doesn't have to appeal to 35% of America. Right. But is, I'm not going to lie. On shows like Arrested Development, and especially the Goldbergs, the fact that they beep out the swearing makes it 100 times funnier, I think. <laughs> I mean, it is comical, 
but they're doing it as a joke. It's not, you know, that it's a choice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. That's, so that's, that's more of an artistic expression. Right. Exactly. So if it's their choice to do it, then it's for comedic effect. Then it's funny. If yes. it's because censors just don't like the, the dirty words because it offends, you know, certain people, fuck them. <laughs> so you, you, you mentioned um, you mentioned um, trivia. Did anybody know where this took place? Where they filmed it? Yeah. Where, did, was, where was it yeah. shot? It was in Hawaii. It yeah, it was in Oahu. Yeah. Which I would love to do that. Do they have a Do they have a lost? Uh, oh yeah, uh, they do. At least they did five years ago. So the plane's still there, and you can go tour it and stuff. I don't know if the plane's still there, but uh, I know not all of the plane is there, but part of it might be. Cool. So that's it's so more. And uh, I let me say, if any of you guys have the DVD, watch the uh, the episodes with the commentary. One cool thing that they did is during the commentary, they're like. Stop this for a sec. And then they put in behind the scenes stuff and they commentated about the behind the scenes stuff. So there's a really cool scene where they show the big giant explosion and just how crappy the explosion looked at first. So ah. go, go back and see that. But there's another clip. I'm going to play audio of this clip right here because this part I thought was hilarious. I'm gonna roll this Does anyone know? Do they have the ability to do the commentary on any of the streaming services? I don't. I was Is looking it like I a second it. language or something. Anyone? Can I shoot couldn't it? find it. I did no. look. So, um, let's talk about uh, the trip up to the plane because one of my other favorite parts on there uh, is when we get to meet Charlie a little more, and he's talking to Kate, and he's like. You all, everybody. And he starts singing that. You all, everybody. Starts singing his song. <laughs> um, well, I hate to, to do spoilers, but um, at the time that they filmed this, that song did not exist at all. Yeah. He just, Charlie just improvised. You all, everybody. So later on, we may or may not oh, really? hear the real version of it? that. And I got more about that song, which I'm going to wait till That's they actually, you, we hear the real song, but that was, uh, yeah, I always love that. And then what that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about that later on. A uh, couple weeks down the road probably, but uh, just tease that a little, that that was kind of improvised. Can so. you, wait, can you do that song one more time? You want to hold everybody? There we go. Beautiful. <laughs> well, what the fuck does it mean? I, I know exactly. No, no, no. Why does say you all everybody? It, I, I, There's no time you say those words. Yeah, that so, part. okay. It was a, so what happened was, okay, I'll, I'll spoil it. Um, I want to say, and I, I want to say it was like Montel Williams that one day JJ Abrams or Lindelof, one of those guys was uh, watching Montel Williams or, or Jerry Springer, one of those shows. And some lady just stood up and said, you all, everybody acting like you stupid people wearing your fancy clothes. Wearing expensive okay, clothes. That makes sense. That's where the line. If that was the song, I would be all. That's for it. where the line came from, and See, at the time the they just took that. Makes sense. They just took that. You all, everybody, and threw that <laughs> in there. Out the best part of the the lyric. But if you listen to the song, spoiler alert, that's the only line in the song. It's just repeated like twenty times. <laughs> but you don't notice that because you're so into the song. So anyway. Um, it, I never thought it was that great of a song. I, was, I, loved, I really bought it on Rock great. Band, so sometimes I'll play it on Rock Band when I'm home alone. <laughs> um, listen to like anything by Rancid; it's just like six words the whole song, like that. 
So uh, uh, here's another piece of trivia. Uh, the date of the plane crash was actually retconned. Um, in the season finale of season two, we find out that the uh, the plane crashed on September 22nd, 2004, which you remember at the beginning of this podcast was the day that the pilot aired. So I don't think they actually said the day of the, the crash until season two. But Do you know that when I was in Los Angeles, I think I was, I was at the um, Third Street Promenade and I had just arrived in Los Angeles for my first semester of college there. And I was exploring this promenade for the first time and everything was, you know, sunny and beautiful and this kind of romantic experience. My first time in California, there was there were these people passing out flyers saying missing. And it was. Yeah, I I heard about that. Yeah. And it was Kay, whatever her last name is, and John Locke. And it was these people's photos. And it's like missing, like was on this flight, whatever, you know, what's the number? Flight 851. Uh, Oceanic no, 815. 815, right. Oceanic 815. Okay. So they, they had all this information and they were passing these flies as if these were real missing people. And I would I would get this part. I was like, oh, fuck. I, I'm so sorry that you're missing someone. Or so I, I remember saying to this person, I'm so sorry. I'm terribly sorry. Well, like, how long has you been dealing with this? It's like, no, it, it, it's for a show. <laughs> you're like, oh, well, you're a schmuck. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I'm not <laughs> sorry. I hope you burn in hell. <laughs> I guess it's very creative looking back on it. Yeah. yeah. It may have had unintended consequences. So one more thing I got uh, about the, uh, po- the plane that they used. It was a prop the, for the interior shots of the plane. It was a prop. No, and it was also kidding me. It was a prop. I thought was, they threw a real yeah. plane into it. It was the <laughs> same exact plane that they used in soul plane. What up? Nice for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, oh, another thing that I got from the commentary was uh, those tattoos. You see Jack's tattoos for the first time. Those are actually Matthew Fox's tattoos. So oh. they were they were originally oh, okay. going to cover them up, but they decided, you know what? We'll just use it as part of his character. Give so him I thought a that backstory. Was okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um. That was a, I think that was a good choice. Yeah, it was definitely part. a good choice. Was I just love uh, how it, I love how all these guys just kind of get their own moments. I, I I just love it. Just little bitty things that are so great. Well, yeah, and it, what's cool too is that the way that they're the conflicts are presented. You know, you may not like a character at first, like the Jin. Oh, uh, I hated Jin. I like, hated Jin. Everyone doesn't like Jin at first. They're like, what the fuck's this guy doing? You know, like, and, and 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 it's also interesting. Like, they're in, you know, they're speaking Korean. They're clearly from a different culture than, you know, you know, the typical American watching the show. And so you might give that a little bit of deference. You might think, oh, okay, well, they're. It's like it just. It's like a different set of rules or something. It's a different set of cultural expectations. I think that really enriched the show. This kind of world perspective that they that that was brought in. You got you got. Claire from Australia, you got Saeed from Iraq, and, you know, they were all kind of going from different parts of the world, you know, on this plane. By the way, I love this scene. It was like a bunch uh, of people from California, you know. I was going to say, I love this scene with uh, Saeed and Hurley when he reveals that, you know, he fought in Iraq. And oh, that was like, such oh, a great yeah, scene. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I was with, you know, the... the Actually, that happened in the second yeah. episode. Save that. That happened in the second episode. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> um. Okay, just a couple more things that I have on this. Um, 
the lost pilot's budget was almost $12 million, which at the time was the most expensive pilot in TV history, um, which was finally surpassed. Do you want to take a shot at what knocked it out in number one spot? Uh, TV show or network or it was boardwalk empire. Really? Um, but if you remember, uh, Martin Scorsese directed the pilot of boardwalk empire. So I wouldn't be surprised if a ton of that budget went into, but I can't back that up with paperwork, but yeah, like, like we said, lost was, there were so many more explosions in lost. Yeah. And it revolutionized TV. It was the first time that they (laughs) sunk all that money in. Which I think helped it because when you it pour shows, $12 million you know? into two episodes of a TV show, you're going to give it a little longer of a leash, I think. And, you know, it helped it stand out against what I think you made the point earlier against other shows of the time. It was this big budget, big, you're like, wow, okay, like this is this is worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, only last thing I have for this, uh, unless you guys have anything, but J.J. Uh, Abrams won the Emmy for directing the pilot, um, which was awesome. And uh, Abrams, Lindelof, and Lieber were nominated for an Emmy for writing the pilot as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. So you guys have anything else on the pilot part one? No, but I do have something funny. Um, okay. So not technically a spoiler because I, I threw it out and I kind of went like this, but I was watching Seth Meyers. Did you all watch Seth Meyers? From time to time. So I was watching it, and he was telling a joke, and I don't even know what it was related to, but he brought the joke back to, he's like, it's almost like the ending of Lost, where they blah, 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 and I was like doing this, so I didn't have to hear it, and my wife looked at me, and she's like, see, I told you I was right, and I'm like... Yeah, but I guarantee you, I, th- I think I saw <laughs> that clip, and Seth, the- if I remember correctly... Um, I believe Seth Meyers was wrong on what he okay, said. Okay, that's fine. If I remember so, that clip. But, I was, I, but I believe... at the same time, I'm sitting here going, I'm trying to do a Lost podcast without being spoiler, and I'm watching a stupid <laughs> late-night show, and they're going to spoil it for me. So I was really upset. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it's hard to avoid it now. Maybe now that, now that you're in tune to this, you might find these references like probably. all over the place. So you yeah. got to be, be careful where you tread, you know. Um, I, I have one final thought that I wanted to mention about pilot. The, the, the you know the first part of the pilot was that you know, the the time that it that aired was you know extremely I think resonant with the themes. You know you got the it, it was just a few years after 9/11, yep. and you were about we were I think in war with Iraq at that point. So you got the plane crashing, and you've got you know this deliberately placed you know <laughs> Iraqi character. I won't mention any more about. It. But, you know, it was all, I think, supposed to maybe trigger some of that, you know, terrorism, you know, those, those stuff. feelings. Of, yeah. Some terrorism stuff, some, uh, some, yeah, some, I guess, mistrust of the rest, the, the rest of the world or like, you know, questions about the other and the people who are, uh, you know, from different places, I guess, all coming together and having to, you know, deal with each other. And I, so, uh, when John smiles at them, remember they turned to him as all dramatic, and he's just got that orange peel in his uh, mouth. Episode yeah. two, that's oh, that's one, isn't it? Huh? That's oh, a- you're right. It is one. It is I was one. like, it's under my episode one notes. I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, that's 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 one yeah. because that's the first we see John Locke. He has this kind of 
you know, little moment and he does that weird smile. Yeah. Like he's not taking this very seriously or something. I well, can't wait for my favorite John Locke what everyone else is my, my, my other question was, where the hell did he get that orange? <laughs> that was my first thought is hey, where the have you not ever, have you not, had it in have you not ever seen the cocktail uh, in first class? They, they put orange peels in my, uh, in my old, old fashions. I'm just going to assume he got it from her. John Locke wasn't in first class. Yeah, I mean, he had the the whole orange. Like, it just, it was just, where did he get it? That was my big question, was where the fuck did this orange go? No, but then, no, wait, wait, wait. He has the slice in his mouth. So how does he cut Right, he had a whole orange at one point. Well, I can explain. You'll you'll see how he cut it. it. You'll see how he cut it. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. But... uh, the show's ruined. <laughs> um, I, I, I wanted to say one other thing real quick. Uh, sure. The flashbacks. So it starts the flashback scenario and flashbacks, especially in a show like this where, you know, you've got a disaster and you're trying to get backstory. To me, that's it, it seems like a basic TV plot, but I love the flashbacks on the aspect of I feel like you can learn so much. Uh, and, and we're going to be going forward in flashbacks because as we go through the characters, we're going to learn it. But it to me, that was my favorite part of episode one is going and learning about what really happened. It was like it's almost like a detective going back and looking at the surveillance tapes. Right. So I feel like I'm like peeking into the past of what was going on before the crash. Well, to be honest, like this is a science fiction genre based television show that is not about science fiction. This show is about character development. You take a bunch of interesting characters, put them in an unusual circumstance and you got gold. I could give two craps that they're on this mysterious Island with a, with a crazy giant dinosaur sounding monster. Um, I could care less about any of that. I just, I'm so into these characters from moment one where you see how they react to the plane crash. So the very last second as the, the screen fades out for the last minute of the show. I don't oh, no, care I about this. Curious about the dinosaur sounding monster. That, that definitely was. I was curious. That, <laughs> so, uh, but that's not what kept me going back every week. I, I do have one other question for everybody else. Um, what's your, uh, who, what character did you hate the most coming into episode one? Shannon. Yeah, I can see that. I fucking hated Shannon. I'll eat it on the rescue boat. No, nah, bitch, eat it now. Like, you're going to die. Like, they wrote her like that on purpose. I know, I know. There's no way not to hate her. You, you, you hate her on purpose, but they did a really yeah, good job it. making me hate her. I hate it. Yeah, come on. Who is going to act? Like I hate that? it. So it's, it's testament to her acting skill. I don't know, but God, I just I just wanted I just wanted her to die immediately. I, I hated like, the Quan. Um, the Quan couple, I, to me. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like. Not them. Yeah, yeah, I just. I. I. Hopefully, they get better. But the, through the first three episodes, they have not been my favorite. Did anyone think Walt's dad was kind of a dick? Yeah, I don't like him. I don't like him. Yeah, I don't like him. So okay, before we move on, I do want to do one thing. And I got one more thing too. Oh, I'll do yours first. I was gonna say, did anyone else notice that they say in episode one, right out of the gate? We have to go back there. Where, where, when did they say that? Kate says it um, after Jack gets lost and she's running with Charlie. Oh, that's right. We got it. We have to go back for Jack. That was yeah. Episode one. I, I did th- catch that. I did catch that. I, I did catch that. No, I did not. 
Oh, yeah. I did catch it. Right out of the gate. (laughs) It's a theme. It's a motif, I guess. All right. So one more thing I want to do really fast. Okay. Before we move on, I I do want to take a moment to say goodbye to those that we lost in this episode. Some of you I felt like we never quite had. Others gone far too soon. And yet others, I could give a shit that you're gone. Gary Troop, you were a trooper. (laughs) You flew through that engine like a boss. Idiot. I love it. Thumbs up to you. (laughs) And last but not least, Seth. So excited to see you in the show. And then you were gone. Sneezing, we miss you. But Seth, I'll never miss you because you're always here in my heart. All right, well, let's move on after that touching moment. Uh, let's okay. move on to episode two. Uh, so some quick, quickie uh, billing notes uh, and nonsense. Uh, episode two, the pilot part two uh, aired on September 29th. So as we just learned, I want to make sure I got the 22nd, the pilot, the first part aired and the 29th, second part aired. And then on October 2nd, they aired, they re-aired them as one episode. Uh-huh. So that must have been where I caught it on the re. And I, if I remember correctly, I'm not. I'm trying not to do math, but if I remember correctly, the show was on like Wednesday, and they aired the first one on Wednesday one. They aired the second episode Wednesday two, and that Sunday night they aired the pilot. Now that I'm thinking about it, I, that's how I remember it. Yeah, it was like a big event. Like so, yeah, everyone yeah. missed it and everyone was talking about it. So they wanted to make sure you could actually see it all in one go. Yeah, that was a smart move. Yes, yes. Uh, so again, it was directed again by J.J. Abrams. The teleplay was again by J.J. and Damon Lindelof. The story was again by uh, Lieber, Abrams, and Lindelof. And the executive producers were J.J. Lindelof and David, or uh, Brian Burke. The billing was exactly the same. The opening cast uh, stayed the same. And the guest starring was also Frederick Lane and L. Scott Caldwell as Marshall Lane and Rose Nadler, respectively. So episode two uh, actually covers, it, it essentially finishes day two on the island. So the, the pilot all together takes place on, it starts on day one, day two starts in part one and ends on part two. So this the episode ends on the second day. on the So um, this episode was, uh, wasn't, it was, it wasn't really a single character centric episode. This was, really the last time that we didn't, well, I guess that's not true. Um, this was, um, a Kate slash Charlie episode where again, we do flashback, but we've only flashback to the moments 
right before the crash. Um, right, because you had to so, understand why Charlie did what he did on the plane, and you had to exactly, understand why Kate exactly. was running the way she was. Yep. Um, so uh, this episode uh, is also a very first. It was the first time Sawyer gave a nickname. If you haven't noticed, Sawyer gives the best nicknames. Um, and we hear in this episode, um, this is my notes that I took. In this episode, Sawyer calls Hurley Lardo. It's technically the first nickname Sawyer gives out in this series, outside of calling Syed boy, bitch, and buddy when they're fighting. <laughs> but we also hear those aren't really nicknames. We talk, we talk I, that's why I said <laughs> outside of that, that doesn't count. Like, Lardo is the first one. That one. But there's gonna be someone to write the show and be like, um, I have to correct you. Lardo was not the first nickname. He called Syed <laughs> Boy Bitch and Buddy. So outside of those, but we also get we'll probably the nickname used more than any, and that is the famous Freckles nickname. Yeah. Called Kate. So uh, I got that. And as far my, as that uh, fight goes, um, my, he actually uh, also uh, in the fight, Sawyer calls. Let me, let me repeat this in English. All right. During the fight, when he, when Sawyer's fighting Syed, 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 uh, Syed actually says, and let me, I, I wrote this down pro- correctly. Ibn al-Kabab, which translates to son of a dog or son of a bitch. And if you guys haven't noticed, that's Sawyer's catchphrase. Sawyer probably says son of a bitch a thousand times. The whole show, he does say it in this episode, I believe, towards the end. But uh, that uh, is kind of the pre, before Sawyer ever says it, Saeed says it. Well, and I, So he's still catchphrase. Yes. And I, I don't know. <laughs> so take that, buddy, bitch, and what was the third one? Buddy, bitch, and boy. Yeah. And I don't know if uh, if it'll happen. I'm just, uh, I'm saying this in the future. So when we do episode 48 of this podcast and talk about the ending, I'm looking forward to the day that Sawyer gets eaten by the dinosaur. <laughs> well, yeah. you might not be too far off, my friend. Hey, and um, I... I well, real quick, I did want to say that episode two to me is sponsored by Uncle Nearest uh, Whiskey. <laughs> Uncle Nearest 1856, episode two to you. Son of a bitch. Yeah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> hey, I'm going to do that every night. I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to say this. Tell us what this you're This episode is sponsored by whatever I'm drinking. Well, uh, then I want them to start paying us. <laughs> Well, you work, you work on that, Keith. You get us some sponsorship money. I'll take it in liquor. Like, that's fine. I'll yeah. get paid in booze. There we go. So uh, we actually, let's talk about kind of some of the characters that didn't get a lot of screenplay in the first half. Sawyer was barely in it. He was just kind of in the background. We do get to see more of him. We get more, we actually get a, a big chunk of Jin and Son in this episode. And I do have a note here, which is funny because I actually uh, researched myself in the middle of this note, but here's, let me read my note to you. Let me read my whole sentence here that I wrote. I said, Jin's first contribution to the Island is catching shellfish. Of course, the only one to actually eat the food is Claire, the pregnant one. 
And then I was going to say how pregnant people are the only people not supposed to eat it. But in my research, this is what I came up. I looked at it and I actually wrote, I looked it up and I was wrong. Eating up to 12 ounces of seafood each week is considered safe for pregnant people. So I thought I made a funny pointing it out and I was an idiot and I caught myself. It's still uh, generally not advised to get sushi. Like you can eat seafood, but you should probably cook it. She was eating. She was eating uh, raw sea urchin. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Which I thought it was funny that uh, that's a delicacy, and you'll pay a ton of money in most restaurants for sea urchin that fresh. And everybody was turning up their nose at it. Even Hurley, but again, yeah. Hurley is the audience. Yeah, and he wasn't. Most having people when they're watching that. Be like, dude, if I was on that island, no way I would eat that sea urchin. I absolutely would. I, I, I'm fat. I'm I would eat it as paid well. a bunch of money to have it in a sushi restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what what do you guys think of Jin and, and Son? I mean, so far up to here, I mean, Jin You, just, you know something shady's going on, right? Like something's off. You're not sure what. Like they clearly don't hate each other. Like she's – but something ain't right. Right. To me, it's the whole, like, like um, I grew up in um, near Fort Knox. So there were a lot of uh, couples that were uh, army men with their Asian wives. And so a lot of my friends, um, you would go into their household and the women were more or less. And th- again, this is not me speaking. I'm not saying this is right. But they were like, they were to be. <laughs> Uh, only they were only to speak when they were asked to speak, pretty much, right? That, they were subservient. Yes, and they were very quiet. They took care of their husbands and whatever. And I kind of got that same notion from the husband in that point that it was just like she was not to step out of her boundaries of what he has set her in. Good call. Yeah. All right, so John Locke, we really get our first – See shot of John Locke in this as well, outside of just background. But uh, I do think it's awesome that, and this is the one thing I'm going to spoil, um, that John Locke doesn't say anything in the pilot in the first part. And then the first thing he says in this series is the most important line said in the whole series. I, I, I'm not even going to say what it is. Go back and watch it if you want. But uh, I think it's it's the whole Oh, point of well, the show. Say it? So I no, I, I was going to say there's a scene that I believe actually is a metaphor for the entire show. He basically that's what I'm talking about. The whole scene where he's talking to Walt about yep. uh, backgammon, about backgammon, how there's the light and the dark. I mean, that is what this show is about. Spoiler alert. I'm not going to get into any more. I'm not going to say anything. But that scene right there sums up. Well, the I would show. agree, but from a guy like. That just watched it for the first time, and I I haven't watched it three or four exactly. times. Exactly, like and you, you guys, would have missed that, right? You would have missed right. it. So, I, like, it's okay for you to explain it to me, but you don't have to go into depth on what. And I'm not going to, but I just want you guys out there watching this for the first time. This keep that in mind as you watch this show. That line sums up everything. Which a lot of times people are like, "Oh, they're just making this show up as they go along." This proves that they're not. That <laughs> there's a little bit of that, stuff. but. Uh... But I, I want to go so especially the part where he's talking about you know it's the oldest game in the world it, you know it's, it was Mesopotamia it's over five thousand years old he's put very specifically that it goes back farther than Jesus 
Um, and then it was two sides. One is dark, you know, one is light. And he's like, then want to know a secret. Uh, that just that all of that is so contextually important and very easy to miss. Uh, but it reveals a significant amount of information. Yeah. And I, I know I'm just, that's, this episode is cool because two of those, what the F key questions, if you will show up in this episode. And the first one is what's Locke's secret. Um, mm. you know, and that's something, you know, the guys watching for the first time with us. I mean, that's, it's your first question, but the second one, even more importantly, I think the next key question is, does Walt have special powers? I mean, he's reading a comic book about a polar bear and then a polar bear shows up on this island in the South Pacific. I mean, we're starting now to slowly start to build the mythology of this question. Daz, what, what was your thought on that? Right. Uh, right. Well, okay. I, I, I'm really glad that you asked that question particularly because at this point I remember thinking like, okay, this is some kind of, you know, supernatural world where, where magical things happen. That, that, that's why there's a dinosaur in the trees or, you know, whatever I thought it was at the time. Um, and, and that was them planting the seeds of a mystery because what what part of the journey was going to be was me figuring out along with these characters what is what is happening here this these questions have to be answered forget forget about rescue why is there a polar bear here? <laughs> at that point i was like i don't i mean who wants them to be rescued nobody i think no one's hoping they get rescued everyone wants to see them kind of like at this point deal with whatever drama is going on on this island i think it was really I don't know. It just really caught my attention. I became much more um, engaged with the show because I was just so intrigued with the mystery of it. The, the mystery of the island. Yeah. I, I want. That, they were starting early. They started in episode one, and they and 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 then episodes, and episode two. I think I even got just more just deeper into it. So uh, one thing that they did point out on the commentary, something that I guess I never really noticed but i didn't not notice it but um Jin and son when they talk there's never subtitles and they pointed this out unless they're they're like with other korean speaking people so when it's just them and all the people on the island they want us to feel as lost as everyone else on the island so we don't get the subtitles but spoiler alert if they ever talk to uh, other Korean speaking people, I imagine we would get subtitles. So one cool thing I think that lost always did, and I'm giving Damon and his cohorts um, gigantic thumbs up for is they always fed the, the interest of the audience by not answering, answering the questions that always arise. So um, I'm going to play this clip right here. It's actually from the commentary, but it's technically the first time that Damon messes with our mind as listeners. So let's listen to that. I guess I think you're a hate. And she's right. Or is she? No, she is. Or is she? <laughs> no, no, she is. She is not. 
Not right. So yeah, I love when they do that. And once one when their podcast starts up, um, it's definitely a, a lot more of that sort of thing. So I just I love <coughs> Damon and company and JJ and all these guys, how they just continue to throw flames on the fire and make stupid stuff like the Hurley Bird mess with us because they know the answer. And I would I don't remember exactly, but I would bet money that someone asked about the Hurley bird down, down the line. So, so, so how uh, do we clearly see the Hurley bird or is it just off in the distance? No, it's a, it's a, uh, so what this is, is literally there somewhere outside and a bird flies over and it goes Hurley and Hurley's like, dude, did you hear that? That bird just said my name. That's it. That's pretty. I think that's it. I don't think. Oh, because when I googled Hurley Bird, it's about a whole other thing. Now there's a video. There's a YouTube video. If you Google, if you spell Hurley right, it it pops up first thing. Yeah, don't don't watch it. Just wait. Just yeah. wait. They will Hold explain on. the Hurley Bird at the end. And the, the we can chop the... we can chop this, but the Hurley Bird I'm talking about is like a giant 16 foot wingspan green phoenix. No, the different. Um, different yeah, Hurley birds. Okay. When I Googled Hurley birds, that was what came up. It is a giant bird, though. I don't know about 16 foot. I didn't see that. Yeah. This literally said it's got a 16 foot wingspan. I just camera. I just watched a clip from the. I, I just looked at a clip and it came on YouTube. So. All right. Send it to me if you get a sec because I got all kinds. By the way, here's my note. It says bear, guy in chops, bear. What the hell does that mean? Oh, okay. Never mind. What is it? Never mind, I figured out. All right, so let's um before we get into well, I guess we did talk about it already. So let's go back to the polar bear that Walt may or may not have wished upon the island. Um here's a little trivia. Um the guy that their special effects guy, when they shot that, um, the first scene where the bear's running, it's that guy. I want to say his name was like Ken Blank or something. It's him in like bear chaps running. And they just shot it down so it looks like the actual polar bear. But the actual polar bear, and they said in the commentary, they're like, my one rule is I did not want a CGI bear. So they shot it with this fake bear. And then they went back and changed it with CGI. And they're like, it looks so much better. So, <laughs> so, so finally they get to picking up the broadcast on the radio the best part of the show yes and it is this episode that is the ultimate ticking time bomb of the show i think this this in this in these first two episodes yeah i disagree but i'll let you i disagree but i'll let you go okay so there's so many things going on in that one scene it's so brilliantly written first of all the battery is running out it's in a different language, and so then this idiot, Shannon, has to finally step up and be useful and do something that everybody doesn't despise. And <laughs> the, 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 well, there's another ticking time bomb, you know, just like bad guys are coming. There's just so much te- – See, so I, was, much I was mad that they made her useful because it was it, it's not going to be useful <laughs> outside of like outside of that. Like <laughs> somehow she spoke French, and then they discover this incredible fact about this island that has been looping for sixteen years. And they're like, "Where are we?" I mean, it's just so—it was so perfect. There were so many things. Like I was just—I—I—I I, I felt like 
you know, my, my heart was racing with them or something when they were, you know, going through the scene. And that, and, that, uh, Charlie, where are we? That was like the best marketing line ever. Like perfect. that just sums up the whole show. You know, where the F are we? But I want first. Yeah. Because he has to realize like, okay, it's a counter like that, that, you know, Saeed's clever, you know, he's smart enough. It, 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 not everyone would even figure that out. It's like a, it's, it's on a, it's an accounting system. And then he cal- does the calculation and, and there's, they're all kind of working together, but not working that well together yet. I mean, it's, I don't know. Well, so a couple quick working. notes on that scene. So if Syed's, Syed's estimation is correct, the broadcast on the radio was actually recorded in April of 1988. And cool. another useless, pointless fact that when Lost aired in France, the transmission on the walkie-talkie was dubbed in German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I wonder if they also dubbed Charlie's voice saying, I've never been so happy to hear the German. <laughs> kind of like when they dubbed Major League and he tried to say, strike this mother effer out. And they dubbed it into strike this guy out. <laughs> they had to stretch it. I've never been so excited to hear the, the German. Well, I was going to say that my, I think, although that was a key scene to us, and I agree with you, I think that most, um, compelling part of the entire scene was when you found out that Kate was actually a criminal and she was on a plane with handcuffs. You knew nothing else because it doesn't go beyond till the next later on, but you saw her on a plane handcuffed to the guy that was escorting her. And then she's on this walk and you're like, what the hell? And who is this lady? And why is she, why is she being handcuffed? And it was just like so many questions that I want to know the answer to that more than I want to know where this transceiver uh, radio was picking up a signal from. Well, I just also like that it was how quick everyone was to judge uh, Sawyer as the criminal and the villain and trust Kate because, yes, you know, exactly. for whatever reason. And really, she was the one that they were it, you know trying to you know look out for. Yeah, to me, that was the bigger picture and everything is like the the woman that you think is like going to be the helpful person. She's really the criminal in disguise. Uh, I didn't trust her for minute one. Yeah. You know, she's up to <laughs> JD. So uh, a couple other uh, quick things. Um, so they filmed, they wrapped filming of the pilot on Fe- on April 24th, 2004 which ironically have just happened to be Damon Lindelof's birthday. Six years to the date, uh, April 24th, 2010, was the day they wrapped on the series finale. Kind of crazy, huh? That is crazy. I thought that was, I thought that was cool. So before, before we, we, were, we wrap up this episode, um, this was essentially the pilot, these first two parts that they had to self-sell. So I think it's pretty compelling if you think about it. If you've just watched these two episodes and you're trying to sell this pilot, as an audience, you're left with, what the heck, Kate's the criminal? You're left with, did Walt magically make this island weird? This, is this <laughs> island so weird that Walt made it a pol- put a polar bear there? And did someone somewhere make a dinosaur? For the island, like, why is there a dinosaur on this island? 
And then John Locke has a big secret. So if the point of the, of a pilot is to sell the people who buy pilots on this show, they did a damn good job in these first two hours of leaving so many points open that you just wanted to see where this is going. So again, props to right. They did it. They did a great job with the pilot. I mean, they planted all these seeds that they got you super hooked. Yep. I, I can't, I wonder how these pitch meetings went, you know, like did they ever had, did they have a hard time or something? But, but you know, okay, so I, I don't think through. so. I think they knew what they had and that's why they, um, that's why they said, you know what? We got this unknown guy, this Jeffrey Lieber in charge of this. Um, let's actually put it in the hands of someone else that we trust. And I think that's why they gave it to JJ and Damon. Did you know that? Any uh, other, did you any know, other final? Did you know sorry, JJ uh, won an Emmy for directing this episode? Uh, yeah. Didn't I say that last time? Oh, did you? Oh. Uh, I was going to say that uh, there was one line in particular that uh, I thought was an excellent actually segue into uh, uh, Tableau Asa. Um, and that was what I believe what Sawyer goes, you know, we all have a part to play. I'm the criminal. You're the terrorist. Who do you want to be? And Tableau Asa literally means blank slate. Start it to start over. You've got nothing. So it's, you know, we all have a part. What part do you want to play? And I thought that was a very clever way of leading into episode three. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, before we actually do move into episode three. We have to say goodbye. I forgot to point this out earlier, but we also saw a very famous shot for the first time. A shot that we'll see many times. So the first people we're saying goodbye is to those few unlucky bastards in the tail section of the plane who just got blown to hell out of the plane when that tail fell off, blew off. So we assume. Exactly. Well, I'm sure some of those people didn't survive. We saw one guy actually get ripped from the plane. I'm sure he's dead. Surely somewhere eaten by sharks. <laughs> and we know that we, we know the first pilot died too. Well, he died in the other, yes. in the in the part one, and in part two, there's really only one other death that we have to say goodbye to, and that's our good friend, Mr. Polar Bear. Oh, polar Bear! Oh, the Polar Bear! I'm sorry, buddy. You just wanted to eat and you saw some tasty food and some redneck with a pistol shot you. I hope wherever you are in the bear afterlife and the CGI life in the CGI man in chaps afterlife, bear chap afterlife. you're getting some nice Cajun food. We salute you, Mr. Bear. <laughs> Hopefully we find out why the hell you're on that island. Cheers to the bear. Uh, they were already in danger. It's just tragic. Uh, 
that was the pilot of Lost, man. I hope you guys liked it as much as I did. I, you know, it, it's kind of weird being old because I'll see stuff and I'll be like, whoa, I don't remember that. But the weird thing is I just watched Lost like two years ago. But that's what happens when you get old. So really quickly, Future, you were my hater. What are your thoughts now about it so far? Well, again, you know, this is uh, this is the point of show where it's still really good. I'm fully on board at this point. My my fury and hatred has not come in full bloom yet. Uh, that's yet to happen still. I can't wait to win you over. Das, what do you think? Oh, it's genius. The, the, the pilot just sets up such a great world. Uh, there's a dinosaur in it for some reason. Um, I, I was hooked. All right, Keith, you are the, the rookie here, the virgin. What are your thoughts? Well, at, the, at this point, I think uh, future, I don't know what the hell you're thinking because this is a masterpiece. So whatever opinion you've got coming up is going to be horrible. No, no, again, like I said, th- this is the golden era of this show. Like they, they've done no wrong uh, at all yet. It's building though, and you'll know when we get there because I will lose my shit in a in a profound way. <laughs> I cannot wait for that day. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, next week for you guys out there keeping score, uh, we will cover episodes three, Tabula Rasa. Future, how bad did I screw that up? You're getting better every time, man. <laughs> awesome. And don't forget to uh, contact us. All the best ways. Our website, we have to go back net. Uh, you can follow our Facebook group at We Have to Go Back, a Lost Rewatch podcast. Uh, we are on Twitter at WHTGB Podcast. That's, of course, We Have to Go Back podcast. Uh, you can find this show and all of our other shows at WideOpenLake.net, which you can save that website on your phone, make a podcast player app. So uh, next week, Tabula Rasa, 